Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, world. It is March 12th, 2021. It is 7 o'clock p.m., and you are listening to the Fright Talk Guys. Had a little mishap there with the intro. It was pretty scary just to get things kicked off. You are with Nadine Tapsch, with my very, very good friend, co-host, Billy B.J. Jones. (laughs) And we are so, so happy to have you guys joining us for today's show. Today's show, we are going to focus on women serial killers. And just when people think that, oh, only men can do it. No, sometimes women do it too, and they do it better. Journey into the minds and backstories of the world's most notorious women serial killers. What makes women killers commit their crimes? And how has pop culture responded to such instances? So today we're going to take you on this journey for an incredible hour. If at any time you'd like to join us, please feel free to call in. The number is 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. You can also email your questions at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. And you can send us direct messages on Instagram at frighttalkguys at ntabsh, N-T-A-B-S-C-H, or at Dr. Billy. Jones, and we're so excited to kick things off today with my dear friend Billy. Billy, how are you, my friend? I am doing excellently, and and I'll tell you, it's been a great, busy yet eventful, a fun eventful week. You know, just a special shout out to some incredible groups that are doing great things. Very briefly, for our college um, hosted today the Seahawk Writing Conference which was outstanding, some amazing colleagues who presented some amazing topics, and as well as the, fest, the college's Festival of Music, Film, Literature, and Art, which kicked off this past Monday, Tuesday, actually, uh, March 9th, and it ends next week on the 19th. Folks, it's all virtual, so check it out. All right, and Billy, you know, I want to piggyback on that for a minute because we've been getting a lot of love, especially in the new year, from a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of people listening in, um, for those of you that don't know, our, our listening numbers are through the roof, and we're very, very excited about that. And people reach out to us even, you know, we have uh, shows in, in two-week segments, and throughout those two weeks, from one show to another, we get a lot of love, we get a lot of attention uh, from people that enjoy the show. And so we're very, very happy about that, and just know that we are grateful. So we appreciate you taking this journey with us and tuning in for all the exciting things that we're going to talk about. And so, Billy, to kick things off, Women serial killers, such an interesting topic, and I think it's a topic that, I don't know if you would agree, a little bit taboo, because when people think yeah. of serial killers, do they, they mainly think of men, don't they? I mean, what's your opinion on that? Because we have, we have quite a bit of cases that we've gone through in prepar- preparation for this show, and it's pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I was looking forward to this, and we've alluded to this topic of women serial killers in the past when we covered people like Charles Manson and then when we start we did our variety show recently and then sometime in late 2020 we had conversations 
that kind of teetered on the fence of this very topic. So I'm grateful that we have this subject today. And I'll share this. There's nothing worse than a woman scorned. You know, beware of the black widow. And I think that people underestimate the power of, of the female mind. And, and, mm-hmm. and this is Women's History Month, folks. And we are in the 21st century and things have changed. People have evolved. And so have the notion of what it means to be a killer and what it means to, you know, to be an outcast. But interesting enough about serial killer women, which I've found in, in, in our research on, these, on these, these characters or these individuals, they were able to acculturate in life in, in a magnitude and get away with so much because people never suspected. And, you know, there are two things that come to mind when it comes to women serial killers historically. And this comes from an article that I came across on Discover website. Um, and not Discovery, but Discover, folks. It's called Discover Magazine. And they actually did an article where they, they found in a university, it's actually the University of Florida, Gulf Coast University here in Florida, that did research on the nature of female serial, serial killers. And it says that they found that 75% of male killings were sexual and 52% of female killings financial. And the data also confirmed the notion that women are far more likely to kill people they know and to do so by the stereotypical techniques, for women at least, of poisoning and exficiation. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, uh, Billy, one of the one of the greatest Broadway shows, Chicago, highlights women serial killers. Yep. You think about it, it, it focuses on a case of a, a woman that uh, killed her lover, right? So I, there is something taboo about it, and I think you're right. People don't naturally expect their brain doesn't automatically go to the serial killer is a woman. But what is it? I mean, it, we never found out who the Zodiac killer exactly was. It could have been a woman. We don't know. Right. It, we don't know. Right. And so why has a woman never been a suspect in that case like that? Well, because people don't expect it to be a woman. And I think that unexpected or that taboo um, type of theory, it lends itself for you to believe that a male is more capable of doing this than a female is. But that's not necessarily true, given the correct circumstances. I mean, you mentioned financial, could be a woman scorned. And so there's so many varieties and cases of women serial killers, but for whatever reason, they don't receive as much attention as male serial killers. Mm-hmm. You're right. Radford University, Nadim, and Florida Gulf Coast, I should have thrown this in. Both universities did this research. They, they, and let me read this here. Here's an interesting fact. They account for just over 11, 11% of all cases in the past century, meaning female serial killers. Just 11%. Even though that may seem small, folks, the fact is they did a lot. Serial means a perpetual habit and repeat of something, right? So there is a repeated pattern of annihilation, (laughs) to say the least. And so even though it's 11%, meaning 89% of the cases that are reported that are serial are men, you still got this over 10%, which is still significant of women, you know, a few dozen there of women who were actually committing crimes. And they're basing this on historical overview, okay? And, and and we're talking over the case of a 20th century, a 20th century, past century review of serial killer cases. Yeah. And, and I, you know, Billy, in our profession, mm-hmm. and, you know, different professions, you know, uh, professor, educator, uh, mm-hmm. artist, author, We work mainly in a field that is uh, primarily dominated by women. Yeah. And in my experience, and I've worked with, I've worked with, and worked with, and work with wonderful women. Uh, But I've noticed in my experience, in years of experience, women can be more competitive than men. Uh, Women can be more logical and more tactful. Than men, and they can be much more strategic mm-hmm. than men. And I, I think a lot of those qualities, uh, if you factor in, you say, well, if they can be more strategic and they can be more competitive, and they, and you put this together, you say, well, not only are women capable of being serial killers, they're actually capable 
of probably getting away with it perhaps more than men are only because they may they may uh have a better well first of all the the idea that people don't automatically think of women as serial killers but they may also have a more uh let's say strategic approach when they are serial killers mm-hmm. yeah it remind me of this one case that I learned about a while ago, Amy Ar- Amy Archer Gilligan. So her story is interesting to Demon. I'm not sure if you came across her, but I learned she is not, by the way, folks, not one of the first or early serial killers. But in the early 20th century, she actually worked as a nurse at a nursing facility, a home or, or, or a, a franchise, whatever you want to call it. And she would she would poison her her elderly patients. After, of course, she had already befriended them and or married them, and 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 they made her a beneficiary in their wills, then she would murder or strangle these people. So she would, you know, either do it via poison or via, you know, asphyxiation. And so it's interesting that this and people thought it was hideous what she did. They thought she was a horrible person. But yet, here's the common thing about these these serial killer women. They're always in spaces where they have continuous access with people because they're able to acculturate regularly. And that's dangerous. And that's, that's why, you know, men, you know, as much as we can put on an act and do the things that we're doing, I think people under, you know, people still underestimate the power of the woman because a woman is identified with more nurturing qualities. Right. And so until you take her off, and she crosses yeah. that point of no return, and she's no different than her male counterpart who wants to kill as well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there are many, you know, because I know that we've gotten some questions in in the weeks leading up to this show. Um, you know, people would say, well, are there really that many women serial killer? Uh, yes, there is. There is. Yeah. And their crimes, just because they're women, does not mean that their crimes are any less gruesome or heinous in the cases that we have gone through and the cases that we have read through. And so we're going to explore some of those cases uh, today. I know we had a few questions uh, come in already, uh, but we do have quite a few of those cases that we're going to uh, go through and we are celebrating, you know, power to women is uh, women's achievements. And, and we celebrate women's achievements this month, but we should celebrate it 12 months out of the year. And that's the truth. Um, though, having said that, being a female serial killer is, or a male one, for that matter, is not an achievement. But I just wanted to take the moment to, you know, all of our listeners out there, you know, whether male or female, we, you know, we're doing this show today, but understanding we also celebrate women every day for their contributions. Mm-hmm. You know, the research is showing, you know, from criminologists and the like, that there are several archetypes of, of female killers, you know, serial killers. And one of them, obviously, is the Black Widow, right? And then, and I don't know them all, but I know that the more popular ones that many people play off of and that become tropes in films or or books is the Black Widow and the Angel of Death. So the Black Widow is the person who kills a spouse, relative, or friend, but then the Angel of Death, she kills those under her care. And so it's interesting because in all the cases that I've come across, and there aren't as many, but there are many enough to get, get up under your skin. It, they all seem to fall within these categories, and that's pretty awesome. It's not strange, and I yeah. and, and interesting too. They're not from the, they're not often like they're not they all didn't happen at the same time. These women lived in different uh, spaces, a few in different eras or centuries, but they were not in the same geographic location or space and time. And so that's fascinating because then what keeps people? You know, I always wonder. We look at all these serial killers from an American standpoint or American point of view, Nadine, I'm always wondering what do other countries have, right? Or do other countries have serial killers as well? You know, and right. that's something that perhaps we could explore in the future, but tonight's focus is on, well, the conglomerate of women serial killers in general, because there are some that are European. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we've spoken about this before. Serial killers are not limited to the U S that's right. You know, just because we that's don't right. hear about them or because we hear about them less, because these cases are happening in other parts of the world does not mean that it doesn't exist. Does not, does not mean that it's any less chilly uh, for what the situation is either. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead uh, folks, because we already see questions are actually pouring in. Um, but we just want to remind you 
If you want to call in, you're more than welcome to 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. You could also email if you're a little shy and don't want to call in at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. You can message us on our Instagram. We have it open, ntabs, that's N-T-A-B-S-C-H. You could also message at Dr. Billy Jones or at Fright Talk, guys. Now, Billy, we do have a few questions, and I do want to get to some of them already because I can see that sure. they're kind of uh, adding up <laughs> a bit. So let's go ahead and uh, – okay, Let, let's start with the first question here, Billy, for you, and this is from Dennis. It says, great shows, great shows, Fright Talk, guys. Which serial killer story gets under your skin the most? Hmm. I would say, for me, the Gilligan story, because these individuals who are elderly individuals are already in a capacity and burdened in life by life stories and challenges and choices, and, of course, nature, aging. And here they are succumbing. They, they, they are totally dependent on the care they receive. And some of these individuals who she impacted had no other family members about, so, you know, or they were abandoned. The way we treat the elderly today, actually, the way we treat the elderly in the past was a lot different. In some ways, it was a little better in certain ways because the elderly were more naturally brought in to live in homes, right? No one, or they live not so many feet away, if not a few miles away. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's all over the universe. But the point is these people were, were, were burdened because of life circumstances. And then only to only meet their own demise by the very person who cared for them, their nurse. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that that's just so scary. And I always say to myself right now, I'm, I'm in my prime, Nadine. And one day, if I continue to live, I'm not going to be able to do all these things that I do right now forever. I would love to, but I recognize yeah. that I, too, must meet what other human, others in humanity have met. And so what would happen to me? I, 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 I'm concerned with that. You know, what was the story in how, you know, and I don't want to be taken advantage of when I, I may not have that support around me at that space. Not that I'm creating the problems for to not have it, but I just don't know how that story will end. And so I felt it very sad. It was it was very gruesome and horrendous what was what occurred with them in that Gilligan case. What about you? Um, I think for me, if we're talking about female serial killers, Eileen yeah. um, Warnos which uh, there was a movie about her. Um, and she was, for those of you that don't know, she was a prostitute in Florida. And she was attacked one day by one of her clients. And she kind of snapped after that. She was brutally attacked, let me say that. When she recovered, she went back to prostituting. And when she went back to prostituting, she, um, she started killing her clients. And I believe it was a total of seven males that she killed she would take them out uh somewhere into the wilderness she would have them drive and she would kill them and take their money and take off and you know during this time as well she um she had a uh uh i don't know if it, well, it was a friend and then it becomes her partner that she starts they they both start dating a woman that's younger than she is and right. so she starts well, she starts you know killing and robbing these clients to then spend the money with her or to survive with her. And, and, you know, it was just what gets under my skin about the story is I, I feel that if you are, I mean, obviously being a serial killer of any kind is wrong, but the serial killer with the element of just robbing the person, I mean, I don't know. It's just something about it that kind of, I, I would say irks me and upsets me more than it does like, you know, I don't find any of these things, these things don't like, you know, they're not chilling or, or I don't, they don't scare me, but I, it, it bothers me. It, it irks me that somebody would do that. Now, I'm not saying that the male clients are any innocent because in the end of the day, they were picking up a prostitute, but how everything transpired in her particular case, um, I just feel that, that that kind of, that case in particular irks me. Yeah, it does. It's very, very bizarre. And I'll, I'll share this too. You mentioned a name earlier. I think it was Lavina the Fisher. Yes. She is from what I gathered, one of the first, but alleged to be one of the first um, modern day serial killers of our time. 
And so I, and I, I believe that her, her work was in the 18th century and the mm-hmm. things that she did. And she was a gangster. She definitely was a gangster would do the highway stuff with, with, with men. And she was part of it. She ran with a, a bad lot and, yes. and, and did some crazy stuff. But some of her victims actually survived, actually. A couple of them did, at mm-hmm. least, and, and the attempt to do things. And she, what's interesting about that story and many others like it is that it comes back to the overarching themes that these serial killer women have in common, sex, money. Yes. Hmm. Sex and money. And let's reinforce, let's add another piece to that. Think about America and how it has evolved for women to have the equal rights and authority to speak and earn her own dollar. We also, and I'm not saying that I'm justifying folks, these these women's characters, but for those who operated on financial reasons, women were not at the table and not receiving the options as her male counterpart could in her time. So I guess in her mind, by any means necessary, really just meant that. And so they would take opportunity in the circumstances they had, such as the Gillingham case, the Fisher case, the, um, and, and many others that we've heard and we'll continue to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, and also it does get to a point, at least in the Eileen Warnos, um, I, I get the feeling that it was almost for sport at some point. And that that when it, when it becomes that that the case becomes almost uh, you know the person is doing it for sport because they got away with it the first time the second the third the fourth and now it's like okay well now the person's doing it you're not doing it out of necessity for money you're not doing it out of necessity for survival you're just doing it to do it right um, you know that that's where the whole that whole sinister portion of it uh, does come in as well. Medina, you just triggered a question from a, a, a one that just popped in from Max. Max, our famous Max. If you guys could produce a movie or a story on one of these serial killer women, who would it be and why? Hmm. Um, I do like the uh, Lavinia Fisher, with the believed to be the first serial killer woman in history, because her story is very interesting. And like Billy said earlier, she was gangsterish. This was in the 1800s. She did run with a, a rougher crowd. But at some point, her and her husband actually had a hotel. And they started realizing that these male, uh, single male travelers would check into these hotels, that the hotel that uh, Lavinia and her husband had, uh, John, I believe his name was, and they wouldn't check out. And so then it comes to light that the last place that so many of these victims were seen were actually in this hotel, which led people to investigate and arrest them. And when they arrest them, they find that they had trap doors and they were, they were essentially, she was killing men. She was in urban and tea to put men to sleep. She was killing men. And then the husband was robbing them. And I feel that it's such an, it's a complex and interesting uh, story that I feel would make a great, great film or at the very least a series. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there is that one part of that story. Now you make me think about it. There's one part I remember reading where the gentleman who she was going to murder or take advantage of, mm-hmm. something happened where he sensed something was wrong. So he decided to sleep in the bed, not in the bed that he was in the hotel room. He, mm-hmm. he slept in a chair, like a, a wooden chair that was far, not too far from the bed. In the middle of the night, all of a sudden, the bed suddenly collapsed. And, you know, they, I guess they tried to get in and take advantage of him. He was able to escape and get away. So he lived. And then he alerted authorities. And, and then there was another case of another gentleman who also, he had a greater circumstance where he got greater injury because she smashed his head and something, but he was able to get away right. and get the help. And right. it, it's, it's, she, she passed at 20, like what, about 25, 26, or 27 years old. So she didn't live. I mean, you, you, you know, the good don't die young, the, the, the bad do <laughs> in this case. But her husband or spouse, John Fisher, was an interesting man. When when he finally was brought to justice, he tried to appeal to his Christian faith and tell people, mm. "Oh, I, you know, this is a good, you know, you you can't hang a Christian man." And he tried to appeal in that regard. It didn't work, obviously. But however, yeah. when she was time, it was time for her to be hanged. You know, she said before, before, they said they they alleged that before she was hung, that her final words were. 
Well, I'm going to be meeting the devil soon. Is there anything else you want me to ask him or tell him? Because I'm going to meet him. You know, I'm on my way to see him. And and then she apparently, I, my understanding is that she actually leapt to her own death. Like she didn't want it to happen mm. at the ends of these people. She did it herself right. in front of them. So, I mean, it's a crazy story, almost it legendary in, in life. You know, these these you know these people often say she lived, but she was also a legend. And people have fabricated the stories over the years. But even still, this is crazy, and and, and just yeah. crazy enough to make you recognize how interesting and how fickle, if not vulnerable, we can all be, and even in the in the confines of our everyday. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent point. Billy, I have another question here for you. Karen says the final woman serial killer, what a woman serial killer is. This is a great topic, especially since it's women's history month. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Billy, you want to take this one and I'll, I'll add on to yours. I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier, which was a, a serial in the case of a serial killer is the perpetual act of murder with a particular pattern or scheme, right? And so you have the word women, obviously women are doing it. So there's this perpetual act of annihilating people. And and there is a common, it may not always be a common thread among the type of people that are murdered, but in many cases for the women serial killers, there is a pattern. There is a common demographic among the victims. And so a, that's that's my start of a definition for me in terms of the perpetual act of continuing and murdering with pattern and with intention, enough to alert authority to know that there is a pattern of behavior that needs to be stopped. Correct. And and that's exactly right, Billy. I'm on par with you on this because, you know, it's about the continuous act. It's not about the, you know, you had this one time where it was a self-defense situation or anything like that, or for survival, you know, you did this and you did this continuously. Listen, uh, we talked about how women are seen as maybe not as capable or, oh, you can't think a woman could be a serial killer. The case of Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Lizzie Borden with the ax. I mean, she killed, there is no doubt that she killed people with a hatchet, that she killed uh, her own family members. And she was found innocent. And she was found innocent primarily because a jury had a hard time comprehending that uh, Lizzie Borden would do such a thing. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, she did. And that is one of the most famous cases in history. Now, is she a serial killer? Well, no, but she did kill her own family members in cold blood. And it was clearly all, you know, evidence pointed towards her and she was still acquitted of the crime. So Nadine, had she, she did that to her family, but had she done it to a neighbor or done it to another family of sorts, that would have definitely have perpetuated or at least supported the idea of a serial, right? I think you know, so. Because so. if you, and that's interesting. Women, I find in some of these cases, there have been other female murderers. Immediately, some people mistakenly identify them as serial because, oh, it's a woman. She must be doing it again. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is a strong yet isolated circumstance, like the case you just gave. Mm-hmm. And, and and folks, there is a distinction. There is a distinction. I think the problem is we, when we murder, we, murdering is wrong anyhow, right? But then to do it continuously and with purpose, you know, or your individual purpose or reasons for it, justification, that is a serial. And we have to stop those cases. And right now, one would even think we got a, a, cameras and everything going on in the world. I mean, can we have a serial killer right now, a female serial killer? I think a female serial killer would be more likely to get away more, a little more than a guy would today. I just I, with that i agree with that i think it's it is easier for a woman serial killer to fly below the radar yeah it is it is i think so now again we're not advocating for any type of serial killing but in my opinion it's easier for them to fly below the radar yes i believe it is i agree with you and we do hope this this show has not inspired anyone to start it absolutely not (laughs) Because what we're doing, folks, we're just bringing in the, you know, the fascinations with this particular phenomenon. It is something that is studied. And as you can see, there are two universities. So we're not going along. We're not going down alone here on this one, Nadine. But mm-hmm. there are two universities who have committed to um, investigating this. And I think these pop culture topics do make meaningful conversations. Because when we cover history, let me ask this to you, Nadine. When, when you cover history, 
we cover the general overview of the period and the essence of the messages that were learned from those circumstances, right? And we yeah. learn about history through the human actions, human art, you know, il- illustrations, artifacts. We get these indicators of what took place. Although none of us were there in the moment, there are all these artifacts that speak something, right? Here's interesting today, though, now that technology is so part of our everyday lives, right? So we have a new introduction or addition, I should say, to those artifacts, technology. Technology is now the, 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 the gateway now, yeah. which means that in order for a serial killer to really hide today, you're going to have to be extra tech savvy to yeah. know how much radar or off the radar action you need to have. Because it's not, not, it doesn't take long for people to trace things. And I would say that men are more likely, would you agree with this, Nadine, that men are more likely to be more egotistical, I feel, to promote the act or want the act to be recognized, where I find it, found in many of the cases of the, of the serial killer women I've seen, they, just, they did their thing, but they were quiet. They weren't looking for the notoriety. Correct. Yes, I, I agree with that. It's almost like... Uh, the ego of the man needs to be fed that they, what, in their opinion, uh, that they accomplished something. So I, I agree with you. Ego is definitely a factor in this. I, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, also, you know, you were talking earlier about um, the, the historical component as well. I mean, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was on the battlefield. She was part of the Hundred Years' War. She killed people. She killed multiple people, but she did it during war. Is she a serial killer, or was she just a soldier? <laughs> That's a good. I one. mean, she got she got sainthood afterwards. She was sainted. She yes, was canonized afterwards. Yes, she was. So, but she killed people. So there's no doubt about that. But she did it in the throes of war. So when you're doing it in the throes of war, but you're still killing a lot of people, mm, are you still a serial killer? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good thought. And folks. You're listening live to Fright Talk here on Friday night on March 12th, Eastern Standard Time, with Nadim and Billy. And if you'd like to call us, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And I see that we got like three more questions popping in on my end, Nadim. So they're not being shy, but we'll still give you the love via the email options and and, and DM options. Everyday folks listen at gmail.com. Instagram is Billy Jones, Instagram is Fight Talk, and Instagram is in tabs. <laughs> hey, Nadeem, I got something for you. Listen to this one. Vanessa wants to know, what could be the most offensive crime a woman could commit? Offensive? Offensive. Yeah, that was the word. Um, <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I completely forgot about her, but yeah, well, she wasn't understand how sensitive that is. Yeah, so we have yeah. to kind of put her in this, not necessarily as a serial killer, but she right. was on the way there, folks. Had she had not <laughs> made it, and, and, you know, and shame on her that her husband for t- treating her that way. Let's let's absolutely. Not, absolutely. She had it was it, in her mind. It was in her defense. They sell well, defense, right, right? But this. That is so sensitive. Any man, the moment you hear that, I mean, she's become such a such a pop culture uh, topic that women start, people start saying to this video, so don't make me pull a, a, a Lorena Bobbin on you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. Like, she has, she's yep. become so iconic in that regard. And she did it for survival. She did. She did. And, and you know, a, a self-defense from, from being an yeah. abusive situation. So, offensive-wise, I, I mean, I don't know. I threw out Lorena Bobbin's name, but I... I don't know about offensive-wise. I would think that any type of crime or serial killer crime that a woman commits towards somebody because of their culture, ethnicity, religion, anything like that, I feel would obviously so any type of serial killer hate crime, if you would, that would mm-hmm. definitely be offensive. I mean, you know, killing somebody, somebody being a victim of murder—that's offensive in itself, but. You know, that extra charge of, you know, you you did this and you did this. Why? Because somebody's different? That's ridiculous. Nadine, what about the idea of taking murdering kids, her own kids, 
and then turning on other kids. I, I, that would be extreme. And it, I mean, even today, I was just watching the news before this show of this crazy woman who had abused her son. And we take great offense. It, 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 when males or females do it, it's wrong to do that to a child. But when a mother does it to a child or a woman, especially a mother mistreats her children, society looks down on that very quickly and will drop the hammer quickly on that mom. And so I I think for me, one of the most, you know, offensive, if not troubling crimes that could be occur is the one that that impacts children because children can't defend themselves against adults. And that's a large. And then the second that I would say for that would be the elderly. You know, you go from one age to the other, folks who are already, who depend on society's um, good folks in order to help them, it's just bad that they they can get taken advantage of. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, All right, Billy, we have a question here from Barbara. I think this is so cool. Sometimes people underestimate women's abilities. Barbara, you're absolutely right. What intrigues you most about female serial killers? Um. What intrigues me most about uh, female serial killers is that, for me, I believe, Billy, that, you know, the intrigue is because there's something taboo about it. Because your your mind doesn't immediately, and we said this earlier in the show, your mind doesn't immediately go that a, a woman is a serial killer. You automatically think that it's male. I mean, I, I find that to be intriguing. And the reasons, the reasons of why this person did what they did, I find intriguing as well. What about you, Billy? I think the under the underestimated value of her of her desires also would add to that. For instance, when men did it, you know, it was for fame. You know, it's it, the serial killer patterns for fame, acknowledgement, acceptance, lust. Very few were for money, but we could throw that in there too. Where the women have a very defined pattern, and I feel that because she's a woman. People think that she's not going to do these things and that she's incapable because it takes a lot of smarts in order to fool people or to lure people into these, these, these circumstances. And that's absolutely not true. If anyone's more capable of doing the luring and doing the coaxing would be a woman, I think, because of the fact that she is a woman. And so I think a lot of folks underestimate. I intrig- I'm intrigued by the fact that people look down on a woman's functions. A woman can do a lot, you know, from birthing a child to raising one, right? And, of right. course, killing killing a person, too. And so, but not those things, because they are the homemakers. They are the ones who are the, the, the birthway to, to the future of our world. You know, moms are nurturing and honorable. No, they're not. Some women don't want to have children. And some people right. can't, and some women can't stand them. And so women feel that they've been wrong. They have the right to take out their, their decisions or, or circumstances on other people. doesn't make it right, but it does make the pattern potentially of a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with Barbara also that there is intrigue to it. There's absolute intrigue to it. it, it yep. Women serial killer stories are intriguing by nature. Hmm. Yeah. You're going to like this one, Nadine. Look at this. Donna says, my great great-grandmother is an alleged serial killer, according to my family. I don't know how true it is. I just, don't, I just won't mention her name on air. I think her story is fascinating. What would you do if you heard of a serial killer in your family? Would you write about it? I would, and I would change their name. That's exactly <laughs> what I would. I would absolutely do it and change their name. Absolutely, really? I would. <laughs> Especially if I feel, and let me say this, because maybe, maybe Donna wants to write a story about this and and, and change her grandmother's name. Um, obviously, you have to protect the the identity of your own family if if you feel like you have to, right? But sometimes people have these family stories that they've heard and they've been told through time and. They kind of want to get it out because a lot of times the family says, hey, there's this story, but you got to keep it hush-hush. Can't tell anybody. You know, Billy, when we were doing the Zodiac Killer show, we had somebody write in that it was said their uncle was the Zodiac Killer. And I never wanted to say the name or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think that for Donna, maybe, you know, Donna, if you're listening out there, which I'm sure you are because you wrote in the question, if you have that intrinsic need to get it out, I think that it may not be a bad idea for you to write a story about this and you can – clearly change the names of the individuals. And as long as it doesn't cause any strife with uh, you and your family or your loved ones, um, 
I think it wouldn't be a bad idea. Billy, what do you think? If you had a – would you write about it if you had a family member that was a serial killer? I assume you would because you're an author. So. <laughs> you see see, you see how the dean just – you see how he does me, folks? He already knew the answer because it's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. Listen, it's already – sorry, Joneses. Sorry, everybody I know. Sorry, the Tabshes. I love all my people and all my tribe. But whenever moments happen in our lives, and Nadim, as a fellow author yourself, yes. we are fascinated by the world around us and by human behavior and the environments in which they engage. And so it, it would be only befitting of me to embody some of that into my work, even if it's fictional, even if the names are different. And Donna, I would say this, the way you spoke in this email to me, I get the impression if it's a sensitive topic, like anything else, and I say this when it comes to research, when it comes to any artistic project, until you're in a space where you're able to work on it and it doesn't have any direct impact emotionally, psychologically, and or physically, then I suggest you leave it alone and not try it and just leave it for what it is. And, and, and your question, Donna, reminds me of the countless questions that I've heard over the years and in my career when I do hear people who have relatives such as I had an uncle who was incarcerated who was a murderer and he got, he got sentenced to life or my father did X, Y, and Z. And now he's no longer here or my X, Y, and Z uncle did this. No different, honestly. And then what happens, these poor people, depending on the severity of what these people have done, it does have impact on the longevity of a family name or brand. So I hear you wanting to hide from it, but as an author, I I think I'd be so compelled to write it, even if it's in in a minute space. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I almost feel like that story is too good not to be told. Uh, yeah, and Donna, if you want some actors, we're here, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I, listen, we're all in. Folks, <laughs> you guys listening, Billy and I have said for a long time we want to be part of a horror movie. Anybody out there filming a horror movie, you let us know. Reach out to us. We we want to be in it. <laughs> um, I have a question here for you, Billy, from Mark. What movies cover women serial killers? I'd love to check one out. Misery, but she's misery. Not a Is she a serial killer? I don't remember. She's not a serial killer. She's just yeah. a psychotic. She's just a crazy. She's just like psychotic antagonist, right? So, yeah. yeah. And that's okay. one that Karina on Instagram. Karina had messaged when we were asking about movies. She said uh, she had messaged about that one and Carrie and Jennifer's body as well. Right. And and and, and they were in in Monster, of course, which alludes to Monster. one of the characters. Monster is the one I would recommend, definitely. Yeah, Monster, absolutely. And and Mark, I you know it's interesting. We're going to be talking about Mark. I don't know if we can call her a serial killer, but she's pretty much teeters on the fence. If you listen to our show on the twenty third coming up, is Madame Delaurier, um, and from from New Orleans is our next show segment, and we're having our show on a special time on a Tuesday evening, March twenty third. Um, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so beware, folks. And I will say that she herself, Nadine, I don't want to talk about it too much here, but just as a rhetorical question, not even for you to respond to, but just to think about, is she a serial killer because of the things she did to the people that that were in her care or at least in her, her ownership? That is the question. And so just a thought. We'll, we'll, we'll explore that next week or next two weeks. That is a tag for you all to, to stay tuned. What yeah, do you think we well, yeah, we so Monster, I definitely recommend yeah. Monster. For those of you listening in, that was the story earlier of the uh, female serial killer from Florida. Excellent movie. Charlize Theron is in it. And Christina Ricci, I believe. Fantastic film. Fantastic film. And and with definitely a creepy element. Um, on Instagram, Turbo Glitzy, they mentioned that Sleepaway Camp uh, they felt that the antagonist was portrayed by, by a female for 99% of the movie. They also mentioned uh, High Tension as well and Friday the 13th, but Friday the 13th would be uh, male. So I'm not sure why they mentioned Friday the 13th, but yes, definitely. Uh, they mentioned so a few good ones there. Sleepaway Camp definitely is a good one, but I, I highly recommend uh, Monster. I think it's a, if you can stomach it, it is a very good film. Yeah, and Charlize Theron, who's so beautiful. I mean, how she was able to strip her beauty mm-hmm. and to take on that role. And you have Christina Ricci as well, who's one of my other favorite actresses. I mean, it was just a stunning film. I, I did it through and through. Hey, Nadim, I got something for you. Constance wants to know, 
She says, great research facts about women serial killers. It's great that a university has taken the initiative to explore and bring the topic to academia. Do you discuss these topics in your own profession? I believe one of you is an educator. Um, so what are you thinking, Nadine? That's a good question, actually. It, it is. And um, was Pretty it constant? Constant. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Constance, so a few things. Uh, we're both educators in different levels, right? So we are both educators. Um, well, actually, at one point in the same level. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're both educators. We're educators, yeah. You teach college, we're educators. too. So, right, right, because I, I do college as well. So we are educators. Um, in So, no, to, to, to answer my part, no, we I never uh, mentioned anything specific about um, serial killers or anything like that in my teaching. We do mention, or I do mention, protagonists, antagonists in the story, and that could be female, and that could be male um, as well. So, no, because, you know, there is a very specific version in which serial killer discussions would be appropriate for that environment, but it's not necessarily appropriate all the time for that environment. Definitely protagonists and antagonists, it's, it's definitely appropriate to discuss those things, but also within reason. So to answer your question, no, um, I personally don't talk about serial killers in my classes, whether that's college or any other level um, as well. And then Billy, I'm pretty sure you're going to echo that, but I'll, I'll let you respond. Actually, it's interesting. Um, it's yes and no, actually. I, I teach a lesson in my, just this week, in fact, in my English composition course, one of their, I, uh, two weeks ago, the students had a unit of Victorian lit and they read um, one of the authors, one of my favorite poets um, of that particular period. And Christina Rossetti is her name. And she wrote a, a poem called Poor Ghost. And it's a great time whenever we're talking about literature, I always want the students to get a, a, a historical sense of the period in which these authors live because their works often reflect society in, in actions and behaviors and in episodes in their periods. And so I, I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring in the idea of some of these topics, maybe not just women serial killers per se as a topic, but killers or anything that's pop culture specific to the period, I'll absolutely bring in to give students some context. Because just like we have things that are going on today, we have urban legends and things that happen. Mm -hmm. They have mm -hmm. their own legends and circumstances and, and, and unexplainable hot happenings in their era too. So we paint them as human or we humanize these people more by their own fears. And so yes and no to the question, it all, ha it all is based on context, Constance. It's all context. Yeah. I have a question here for you, Billy, and this question is from Todd, and we kind of answered this, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it anyway. Have you heard of Lavinia Fisher? She's believed to be the first serial killer in modern America. And yes, so we, we talked about Lavinia, and her story is quite intricate, quite interesting, and we also discussed if, if they would make a movie about it, or even a show or series, that, that would be quite interesting. Why haven't they done a show on her? That would be very cool, actually. To have her entire story is so fascinating, that would make a great horror. And, you know, we're in this new era of, of dark horror. Mm. If we look at psychological thrillers that are happening today, I'm always wondering if this would make that, because it's more, to make it bloody makes it cliche, but to make it more compelling, you play in the darker sides of the psyche. And I think this would be, I think Lavinia's story would definitely lend itself to that, to some really good contemporary horror. Just about. Yeah, you know, really what I'm wondering, and I did not mm -hmm. do the research on this portion of her story, but it would be interesting. I wonder if the hotel that her and her husband had still exists. It would be interesting to do a walk through there. I don't know if that hotel still exists or not. Yeah. I don't know if it's demolished. I don't know if it's renamed to something else or it's some sort of historical site. I know Lizzie Borden's house still exists as a museum. But I would definitely be interested in wanting to do a walkthrough in that home and see what kind of, let's call them vibes, pop up. But what's Charleston, South Carolina, I believe, where she started her yeah. life in, um, yeah. or at least ended it. So that would be cool, actually. Uh, that definitely is, and it, it, it's, it's triggering something that just popped in the theme. I got to read this. 
Havana Gill um, just put in, don't we all have family members that were serial killers or killers that killed in wars and killed countless people to survive throughout history? Uh, so, yes. At some point, we probably have uh, somewhere along our, probably everybody's family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably had somebody as far back as you can go that was involved in some kind of war and did kill. So they killed. So Havana Gill is a friend of mine. So uh, Havana Gill, I'm sh- I'm sure thinks because we were talking about this earlier. If you are in the military and you're doing it as part of your, your duty, I don't believe you're a serial killer. That that's my belief. I don't believe you're a serial killer if you're in the military and doing it as part of your duty, whether you're male mm. or female. Uh, but that's just my belief. Um, I, I think the serial killer portion comes in when you're doing it for sport, when you're doing it and you feel like you can't stop, you know, uh, something along those lines. But he does make a very interesting point. At somewhere along the line, I think everybody may have had a family member that it would have been involved in some kind of a war that may have had to take someone else's life. Mm. That was a, that's a loaded one. <laughs> I had never <laughs> even framed it. The way it's framed puts it in perspective. Why is it okay when we're legally given, we're legally serving, so it gives it, it, it gives it an okay factor when you're doing it in the instances that Havana Gill has mentioned. But then when we're doing it under the auspices of everything else in life, you're not serving the government. You're not serving um, your, your, your country or the patriotic aspects of it. It's right. wrong. So it's like you have a license in one case and not in the other. Why the double standard? And so that's very interesting. Very interesting point. I, I, yeah. I have no comment other than I'm marveled by that thought. <laughs> and if that's the conversation yeah. you're having with Havana Gill, she needs to be on the show. Right here. He, 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 it's a he. It's a he. She needs to be on this show having conversation with us. That was Listen, a good talk. He has the number. He could call in. He has nine minutes. If he wants to call in, he's more than welcome to. Um, yeah, no, it is a very interesting point. It really is. Um, and again, it's and how far back do we know about our family histories? Because I can tell you for myself, Billy, speaking for myself, you know, both my parents were immigrants. My mm-hmm. knowledge of my family history goes back to about my great-grandparents. And after that, it gets very vague. I, I can't tell you much more after my great-grandparents. So I, I don't know how I don't know how much of the population knows as much of their family history to say go back several generations. Some do. Some will say, well, my grandfather was in the Civil War or, you know, World War One, or whatever the case is. But um, I don't know. It's definitely intriguing. Definitely, I think the we could have a whole show on just that, the whole historical military component uh, to it as well. Um, I do feel that, you know, soldiers are, are, are performing a duty and, you know, their duty to their country. And, and you know, I don't consider them in the same bracket you know I, I i see them as heroes who have to do what they have to do and i don't consider them in the same bracket as serial killers uh but that's just for me so nadima you just gave a new story plot ready for it so how about a movie about a man who's half cuban half lebanese who does an entire a deep dive into his history and the more he unravels in the history he starts to realize that both sides of his life become so intertwined and then you start unleashing some dark things about your life story that you rather had not uncovered. Hmm. Did he have to be Lebanese? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what inspired you. Diverse, the diversity, you know, it just happened to pick it out of the air. I wonder you know? what the news was. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like I love it. Like I'm, and, and like and starring the dean. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. Denver just yeah. asks really good questions. I didn't even think of this. Listen to this one. There are some silly names for, 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 for serial killers, like female serial killers, like the Giggly Granny. I've never heard of that. The Giggly Granny or Jolly Jane, yet their male counterparts get cool names. Why do you think this is? That's interesting. I don't know. What you, I guess what you consider a silly name and a cool name is kind of just perspective, right? I do agree yeah. that the Giggly Granny does sound pretty silly. It sounds like something out of like a Pee Wee Herman movie. Uh, but as far as like the cool names of the male serial killers, I mean, 
I don't know. I think that at that point, it's just whatever whatever name gets trapped in there by the media or whatever tabloid or whatever the case is, and it just kind of gets locked in. Is it sillier? Well, I mean, it's not to take away anything. If, if a female, um, if a grandmother is a serial killer, I mean, it's not to, they're still a serial killer. And so, you know, the giggling granny or something like actually, that sounds kind of creepy to me as opposed to silly. But I don't know. I, I think they just kind of get tagged with it at somewhere along the line, uh, media-wise, and the name just kind of sticks. What do you think, Billy? I do. I think that I never heard of the giggling granny. And in me fact, neither. granny's giggling, I guess, did she giggle when she killed? Like, I have to Google that one. Never heard of her. Um, and, and the Jolly Jane uh, is nothing jolly, I guess, unless she's laughing and being sadistic in her murdering moments. I guess I'm, I have too much of a Quentin Tarantino in my mind of the sadistic mm-hmm. aspect of what, what a character could do. But that would make great fun house or movie, um, or campy movie topics, too. And also, it, you know, it, it could be a deeper dive into something else. Maybe the giggling hide something else. I don't know. I never thought of that. Never even knew. Because when we think of Charles Manson, did he have a nickname? Like, I don't remember him having a nickname. And then the Zodiac mm-hmm. was the Zodiac because he called himself the Zodiac, right? Because he called himself the Zodiac because of the encrypted messages and all that right. stuff. Right. right. So, like, so, I never thought of that. That's a very good point, Denver. I never even considered that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's whatever they're, you know, whatever. I think somewhere along the line, a writer comes up with, you know, if they're writing an article on serial killer, they come up with a tagline that they feel will stick. And a lot of times it sticks. And I feel that Denver's right. I mean, they they have a point that, you know, for the males, it almost sounds more uh, vicious, whereas the females, they kind of make it sound lighter. But no matter how you slice it, male or female, you're still talking about serial killers. And and, and there's another question that came in, Nadim. It says, well, it's actually a comment. Primrose says, I think this topic is great. Yes, women are celebrated for our amazing contributions, but it's also safe to talk about the dark side of what we do, too. Hmm. Yeah, Thank you, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we can celebrate anybody, but also talk about the dark side. I mean, you know, women are not immune to if you were a female serial killer, then you were what you were. You are what you are. You're a female serial killer. And that doesn't take away because there are female serial killers. That doesn't take away from the contributions that women have made to society um, in general and to the achievements that they they've had in history. This last question that Dean says is from from Star. It says, great show. Wow. I'm definitely going to listen to more. I remember reading Misery by Stephen King. Kathy Bates still haunts me through her role, but it was good. Can you think of other books or stories with kill, female killers? Uh, I, I could name one. I'll start. Um, there is actually a book that's titled My Sister, the Serial Killer um, by Braithwater. I think that was the last name. And Definitely a cool book. It's actually about a woman serial killer. And and then Shirley Jackson, many of you may not know her or may know her. She wrote one book called The Lottery, but she wrote, an, uh, I mean, excuse me, a short story called The Lottery. And she wrote the, the one novel that she only published, The House on Haunted Hill. But she also mm-hmm. wrote a story called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. I believe they're the same Shirley Jackson. And, and so another great example there are some stories out there. Um, a third one was um, that I, I came across recently that I wrote down in my notes here, An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Turston. So you have some good books out there started. You can you know, explore them. Let us know what you think, and we'll chat about it here live on the show. Yeah, and if you don't want a real story, uh, star, if you want a, uh, uh, you know, a fictional uh, story, The Flowers in the Attic. You have that grandmother in the flowers in the attic that started killing off her family and poisoning and whatever. And that was a very good, I mean, was she a serial killer? Um, Yeah, she was. So I think that's a very good story as well that you may want to dive into. And folks, I want to say thank you for listening to our show. Nadine, we just flew by very super quickly. Folks, you got to join us now. We'll be back here on Tuesday, March 23rd for our next show. And our next show is a deep dive into Madame Delphine Lelarier, an incredible story. And it brings us into the Southern vibe of New Orleans. So definitely join us. It's Mardi Gras season, so we hope you'll join us with that as well. Thank you guys so much for all the love and listening. We can't tell you uh, enough how much we truly appreciate it. 
Thank you for joining us. Until next time, stay spooky from Nadine Tabsh. And Billy Jones. Take care, guys. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.